Hey, thanks for tuning in today, guys, on the Olympic Coaching Podcast. And today I'm really excited to talk with my friend Christian Larson, who is a professor at Kansas State University. And he's been working there for a number of years, but he's had the privilege of working with several different organizations, including CrossFit. Um, and also getting involved in you know, like several different business ventures outside of even his role as a professor. And so he comes from an extensive background in sports, uh, but also he's, he's diving into research. So he's, he's got a special perspective on the training and coaching side, being a coach himself in the past, but also the academic side. So he helps kind of mesh the two together. And so I'm excited to jump in on a few different topics with him. And so we're jumping in on the first topic today, which is more about his role in CrossFit, how that's developed, and how um, that can be beneficial for you. But I wanted to address specifically today a question that I had for him about how do you prepare for workouts that are like a CrossFit or high-intensity functional training style, an interval style, or something you're going to be giving max effort for a certain period of time. Uh, how do you approach workouts like that? And so let's dive into this podcast topic today with Christian Larson. Here we go. All right, dude. Welcome, Christian. So, should I call you Professor or uh... please, please don't? <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Let's. I mean, I love staying connected with you over the years. Uh, but I just wanted to introduce you to any listeners that I ever have on this podcast. I think you're just a really valuable mind um, in the field of exercise science, and you've been teaching it for years. So, I mean, you got some valuable input. So, I just wanted to I mean, give you a chance to introduce yourself. What's uh, What's your story, man? What brought you here? Sure. I appreciate it. First of all, Caleb, thanks for having me on. Um, it's really cool seeing, you know, obviously we've known each other for a long time. So seeing, you know, you grow from a student at K-State to having a family to the stuff you're doing, uh, you know, overseas to, to your fitness business. It's just been super cool to see and, and it's really good to reconnect with you. So um, appreciate you having me on here. Uh, so my story is... Um, I'm an army kid. So I, I grew up kind of all over the place. I'm from Wisconsin originally. And then we moved to Alabama, Germany, Alabama, Wisconsin, Kansas, Texas, and now I'm back in Kansas. So uh, I'm more of a Kansan than anything. So I'm kind of like you, even though I'm not, I wasn't born here. Um, I've got uh, family. I've got um, an awesome wife. Her name's Lindsay. We've been married for 21 years now. Uh, so that's a big deal, uh, especially from my end. She's put up with me for a while. So it's, it's good. Uh, and I've got two daughters who are heavily involved in athletics, which is really great because that's what I like. Um, I got my bachelor's and master's at K-State uh, in the 90s. And then I actually went out into the private sector. So I'm Technically, my my title is instructor. Uh, I've got a master's degree in physiology, and, but I always like the human performance side. So I went out, I moved to Austin, Texas. I worked at a big box gym. Uh, then I worked in corporate wellness. And then I actually ended up moving back to Manhattan and I managed a racket fitness club for about six, seven years. So I really kind of got on the business side there, which was pretty interesting. So I'm not a traditional academic, so when I when I came back to K State in 2007 2008 timeframe uh, and started teaching, I, my perspective was much more from a private sector health fitness perspective, strength and conditioning than it was from the academic side. Um, even though I had a super solid understanding of physiology, as you know, going through K State's program, um, 
the level of physiology that you learn there is basically medical medical school level. Uh, and then I had two more years of that, uh, get my master's degree. So my, my scientific background was really strong. My behavior background was not as strong and little, and I, but it was very strong in the real world <laughs> where you just can't tell somebody, hey, you need to do this because it's gonna do X, Y, and Z at the cellular level. You know, that doesn't make anybody change what they do. <laughs> yeah. um, and so that's that's diet side started to interest me. Um, at K-State, I, I teach. Um, I've got a 90% teaching load. And then I oversee all of our graduate teaching assistants. They teach basically all of our 50 labs that we have. We're very hands-on um, uh, degree. So I oversee them. I schedule them. I make sure that they you know, are comfortable doing what they're doing, interacting with our undergraduates on a regular basis. So it's kind of my, my life in a quick nutshell. Woo, man, keeps you busy. But I think it's really yeah. awesome that you like, you've been able to dabble in so many different things like you you have the experience from the private sector that brought you into academia so you have perspective of both like this deep understanding but also like you can talk with someone who knows nothing about fitness and make it practical for them right. so <laughs> i, I try to anyway yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I joke with my uh i joke with my biomechanics students uh, about this because you know you're going to, you get into anatomical reference points, right? So you're talking anterior, posterior, superior, inferior, flexion, extension, planes of motion, all that. So I say, you know, Hey, it's nice to know this language because you have to know it. If you're going to talk with other professionals, because, you know, we're talking with strength and conditioning coaches and physicians and, and physical therapists and, you know, all these different people. And I said, but when do you not use this? everyday life right if you're training somebody don't tell them don't tell them to flex their shoulder right they're not going to know what that means <laughs> <laughs> so that communication piece has been big and that's really something that i try to 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 explain to my students you know hey this is great that you're understanding this but if you can't explain something to somebody who is an accountant uh in a way that they understand and make sense to them it doesn't matter what you know right so we want to know it and that's great. And there's a lot of people out in society like me who I'm not an expert in everything. So when I'm learning something, I'll ask why to somebody, right? Who is an expert in that field. And if they have a good answer, then I stop asking them why, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay, they know that to me, okay, they know what they're talking about. And that's what I tell our students. People are gonna test you to make sure that you're giving them good information. I said, so you need to know this stuff backwards and forwards, you need to be a pro. So when you get asked that, you can tell them, hey, this is the energy pathway we're working. Here's why we want to do that. But once you get past that, they're going to, you're going to build trust with them. And then you can actually communicate like you would on a regular level, right? How's your day going? What's going on with the kids? Okay, do you know, we got to make sure we're, we're warmed up in this area because we're going to hit this pretty hard today. Okay, what else is going on? How's the job going? You know, and this is what you do on a daily basis. So yeah. it's, it's fun to put that together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so good for coaches to know like that you can't just talk up in the clouds with someone who's down here, you know, like, and it's not saying that you are better than them in any, any no. way. It's just like, you got to meet someone where they're at. Right. So, uh, but several years ago, you got connected with CrossFit as a brand, as um, a company, because they wanted um, to better research their method. Um, and K-State is Kansas State University is um a bit unique not totally unique uh, mm -hmm. but they there's a crossfit gym 
on campus, like nearby where the kinesiology research labs and stuff. Right. Are at, in our department. Yep. In your department. So that's fascinating. You can have stuff right there. Mm-hmm. So like what, how did that relationship get started? Yeah, it, this is a really cool story. So it was 2008, 2009 time period. So CrossFit was obviously big on the West Coast already, but people were starting to figure out what it was. Um, I started seeing their stuff and uh, I liked how they broke down movement. I liked how they had a, a reason for their methodology. You know, it's a GPP program, but they talked about, okay, here's how we're going to train aerobic capacity. We're going to train it with interval type work because we don't want to lose power and strength, right? And that stuff's all physiologically, you know, very sound. So I started reading and learning more, started watching some of their stuff and, and uh, I really liked it. So at that time we had an opening in, on the behavior side of our program. And there is a, a girl coming in named Katie Heinrich to interview. And uh, Katie's been there for years now at K-State, um, gotten some huge grants uh, with, and she actually has a functional intensity training lab that works out of our CrossFit gym. So it's actually her lab space, which is pretty cool. Wow. Um, but Katie came in, we did the interview, she got the job and she had CrossFit background. She, so she had been to regionals, um, but not made the games, right? So this was right when the games were getting really big. But that was the connection. So she had some connections with CrossFit HQ and they trusted her being an an academic. And so time kind of goes by a little bit and CrossFit decides they want to do the level three exam. Okay. So, and if if you guys have taken, I know you're a level three, Caleb. Um, If you've taken or looked at the level three exam, it's set up very similar to the certified strength and conditioning specialist in that those, those are standalone exams. So you don't have to have a CrossFit level one or level two to take the level three. If you really read through their, the, the criteria, you could have, I think it's like 1500 hours of strength and conditioning coaching and a few other things and, and sit for the level three, right? It's similar with a CSCS. You don't have to have a, uh, a previous certification from the NSCA. You just have to meet the standards and requirements of taking that exam. So they wanted to set it up like that. And they asked Katie if she would come and help write questions for it. They call it item writing. Um, and they said, be, with that, Katie said, you know what? You probably need somebody on the physiology side as well. You should talk with Christian Larson. He's got his level one already also. And so then I actually uh, got on the phone with Dave Castro, which is pretty cool. So talk with Dave and, and Nicole Carroll, who uh, was the head of education at that time and uh, talked about what they were looking for with the L3. And long story short, Katie and I got flown out to, um, we actually flew to Orlando twice to write that exam uh, and then out to San Jose to CrossFit headquarters uh, as well. And that's how I initially got that kind of uh, relationship going with, with uh, CrossFit. Wow, that's really awesome. So like in your time with CrossFit, like kind of being connected to people who are making the brand and making the methodology and everything. Um, how did you witness sort of the communication mm-hmm. and even the science behind the programming and everything? How do you see that improve in your time being involved there? Uh, yeah. So I, after we were, we did that, then I actually interned with the CrossFit kids program and I actually was on seminar staff for a year. So I really got to kind of see behind the curtain on how they do, did their education. I got, 
I got to influence it a little bit, which was, which was great, but I, I also learned a lot. I mean, it was really cool to see the application um, and how CrossFit did such a great job of the community social side to really bring people together, you know, and, and be an encouraging environment. Um, you know, CrossFit's always had their own way of doing things and, and they shook up the, they shook up the fitness and health world without a doubt. Right. And, um, Greg Glassman, obviously with the former CEO and guy who started it, uh, had a very in your face kind of mentality, uh, because there were, there were definitely issues with the health and fitness world with how things were going. And he, he wasn't afraid to say it. Right. Uh, and that rubs some people the wrong way, but if you look at the health and fitness landscape now versus pre CrossFit, I mean, a lifetime fitness never had a functional training area mm -hmm. pre CrossFit, right? So yeah. you've seen a huge influence on the whole world of health fitness training. Um, and, you know, CrossFit was a big uh, initiator of that. Now, their methods have changed too. If you got, and you've probably seen this, Caleb. Um, but when CrossFit first started, you would go into a CrossFit gym and your first workout, they would try to basically destroy you. They try to make you throw up, right? Yeah. They just, so they didn't have the progression side down very well. Yeah. <laughs> They're the progressive overload, um, movement quality side, even though they taught good movement quality, they didn't imp impose movement quality when they were training people as much, right? It was like, no, you're just, we want intensity because that's where we're going to get results. And it's, it's been cool to see them adjust that over time as they've been exposed to more and more of, you know, it's live and learn too. When you throw high intensity work at people and you start seeing, you know, certain injuries recur and certain problems, you know, soft tissue problems happen. Um, if you really want to get better, you look at those things and you adjust. And that's a big adjustment I've seen in CrossFit make. Um, they've also really adjusted their, I think the professionalism of their seminars. So I think just like anything starts out, it's, you know, it started this way. We're going to, we're going to just go out and do it and, and give people our, how we do things. Um, and as they grew and grew, they, they became more and more professional on that side of it. I was always very impressed with the corporate side. Um, people, Dave Castro will put his opinions out there for sure. And people have, you know, he's kind of a hot or cold um, kind of guy, but if you meet him in person, He's extremely personable. I've, I've talked to Dave lots of times. He, he's texted back and forth with me on things. Um, I've seen him interact with people from all different backgrounds and all different situations. Uh, and I just, I think he's really good at what he does. Um, I think, you know, we can all get, I think, misrepresented or misconstrued a little bit on, on media when we're recorded and we don't have time to interact with people. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I was always super impressed with him, uh, with Nicole Carroll. She's top notch. Um, I actually never got to meet coach Glassman. So I, he was supposed to be at a couple of level three things, but those fell through because I was actually, I really wanted to meet him. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's how I've seen CrossFit evolve, really bringing in more movement stuff. I know you do FMS stuff. That's very attractive to cro the CrossFit side as well. Um, I think they've evolved on their nutrition side also, uh, and their strong relationship. Well, I don't know if it's a direct relationship, but there's definitely an ancillary relationship with precision nutrition. Um, and PN does such a good job with that, that that has made a really positive influence, I think on the CrossFit nutrition side of things as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I think now you can even get continued education credit for your level three or level four. If you take the PN level one, 
or uh, they also have the they've connected with Active Life with their Active Life immersion course, like you get continuing education there. So oh, nice. They're definitely bringing in more of a priority on movement quality and the holistic lifestyle and everything. Yeah. Yep. And that's what I've seen. So it's I've my perspective is a little bit different because I saw it in the very early days when things were. Um, I don't know if you remember, uh, but when I did my level one, um, Adrian Bosman was on my level one seminar staff. Pat Sherwood was at my level one. Wow. Um, and Matt Chan was Matt Chan was interning. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's how long I've been around CrossFit. That's cool. Well, yeah. um, I also want to ask you like, okay, this is really cool here about sort of the evolution of CrossFit, how it's evolving as a brand, as a fitness methodology that it's not just about like, they're not trying to break you anymore. And there's, right. there's still sort of this lingering, like, oh, is it going to hurt me? Right. When, and especially since they tend to like put the athletes as their forward marketing. Right. Which, uh, which can be intimidating for some people, but it's cool to see that there is more of a progression, uh, which is helping the functional fitness world across the board mm -hmm. uh, to see that since CrossFit is so big in a functional fitness space, they are influencing all the other brands as well. Absolutely. Um, so, but with your experience and also, I just wanted to have a fun conversation about like from a physio physiological perspective mm -hmm. and understanding, like intimately understanding CrossFit, how it's like um, constantly very high intensity functional movement, right? Right. So how should you approach a CrossFit type of workout? This high intensity, it's going to be bursts of speed. The time duration can vary. Like how should you approach that sort of daily <laughs> workout of the day? Oh man. So first of all, if you're going to work out at a CrossFit gym, I would be selective, make, check it out. Um, check out the coaches, uh, check out kind of the culture of how they do things. Um, if there's a heavy emphasis on movement quality, you're already off to a great start, I think. Cause when you're going to throw, you know, and if you remember this from, from CrossFit, uh, education, MCI mechanics, consistency, intensity, mm -hmm. um, if there's that heavy emphasis on mechanics to start and not load or the RX load, which is, you know, like a Holy grail in CrossFit what's yeah. the RX, right. Um, right. uh, but that's initially just with CrossFit in general, make sure you're selective in, in where you're going and, and who's going to be coaching you. Um, as far as prep, uh, yeah, it, it depends on the workout, of course. Uh, but definitely, uh, if we're talking about an acute bout, knowing where you are currently your current state, what's your current fitness state, right? Mm -hmm. Am I banged up at all? Have I been training for a while? How am I going to, that's going to play a large role in how you approach a training session. Um, oh, so you mean like if you almost do like a daily assessment, like how am I doing today? Like if my sleep was bad, if I'm feeling banged up from earlier in the week, mm -hmm. if I had a long work day or if I've been sitting all day and I'm stiff, like mm -hmm. that can affect how you approach a workout. Yeah, that's definitely, um, I always go on day-to-day -day training readiness on how I, how I feel is a big part of it. Um, I actually use a polar watch, uh, and that, that tracks my kind of sleep quality. So I'll always keep an eye on my sleep. And then you wonder if it's a placebo effect, right? Oh, did it tell me I slept good? So I did, or, you know, yeah. um, I, I've used it long enough that I can, I, before I even look at it, I can pretty much say what my sleep's going to say. Mm. Right. So, um, 
I, that's how I tell people, that's how I personally approach my training sessions. And that's how I tell people to approach them. Um, and that's why I'll ask, I'm not heavily in, I coach my daughters right now, so I'll do this with them. Um, but I'm not in the, in the class setting right now, coaching, but when I was, when we'd be at the whiteboard time, you know, make sure you kind of let me know how you're feeling. If you, if you didn't sleep good, if you're in a ton of stress, you know, if, if you have aches and pains, let, let me know. Cause we're, we're going to, you know, adjust the, the training session accordingly for you. You know, and that's a great thing that CrossFit teaches is you can scale everything. Yeah. What if someone's like, you know, listening to their ego instead of to their body and they choose to, you know, if they're dealing with a lot of whatever baggage they come in with mm -hmm. and they do RX anyway, or they really push it really hard, what can that do to a person? Uh, well, training load is cumulative, right? Stress is cumulative. So it might not get them that day. Um, but usually people with that mentality, it's not just a one day thing from my experience. Uh, and usually what I see with that kind of mentality is at some point they're, they're going to, their body's going to make them slow down, whether it's through a soft tissue injury, um, just total fatigue, right? If, you know, if, if you keep doing that and you continue to over overload your system and you're not getting adequate recovery, um, and the best strength coaches I know in the world say, the gym is where you do damage. Recovery is where you get better. Right. And so, and, and I think it's easy for us as humans to, we need to work hard. We need to work hard. And you and I talked about this, that Midwest attitude. No, you got to work hard. You got to, yes, <laughs> you do. I totally agree. You have to work hard, but if you're stressing your system too much and you don't recover, you're eventually you're going to hit a wall. It might be that day where you, where you get injured. It might be a week from now. Um, but it's going to take a toll. That's, that's what I tell people. I try to communicate that as best I can. Um, I'll give you specific strategies I use if I think somebody's working too hard. Um, True. For what yeah. I'll, my, the strategy that I've, that I've used that seems to work the best is walking over to somebody and starting a conversation with them in the middle of their work of their wad. Right. So okay. They, they don't want me to coach them. You know, I've already said, you know, you probably want to use a lighter load because this isn't looking great. And they're like, whatever. And they just keep going. Right. Cause people can do what they choose to do. Um, I will eventually just walk over and say, Hey, what's, you know, how you feeling? I'll try to get their mind off the workout a little bit just to try to peel them back a little. Um, but I don't have any magic bullet. That's for sure. We've all mm -hmm. had those trainees. We probably all been those people yeah, as well. So I try to, that's how I try to kind of mitigate that. And if it's an acute situation. Yeah. Yeah. So how, what, about how you? what do you do? You... I know you, I know you run into that. What do you do? Well, uh, I, I mean, I love to just like, I mean, whenever I'm in a training environment, I'm in my element. And so I'll just like, uh, I just start trash talking people actually. So um, <laughs> I just start messing with them, get them to laugh. Cause then that sort of gets their mind. I mean, if you're laughing, it's hard to like work out. So right. <laughs> uh, I'll just get sarcastic with people and just start messing with them a little bit. Um, or I'll like get a real serious face and give them a lot of cues to help work that uh, movement to improve it. Right. And so that's going to slow down the workout for them to be able to prioritize that movement because i'm like you know if you don't do this you're gonna bust your back something right. like that like something that is going to help them prioritize the movement and ultimately um adjust the intensity to help them that day right that's a yeah, couple no, that's of things great. 
Now, I'm sure they know you well enough too. Like if you get a super serious face, they're like, oh, I, something must be not right if he's talking to me like this, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's like you get my my demeanor, like just I mean my I'm super uh, animated whenever I'm in a gym setting, and so it's like people get a read for what needs to happen um, right. whenever they see me moving stuff. So very cool. But, um, how else do you you approach a wad? And like aside from like the before you even start, like let's say it's a it can be a long wad versus a short wad. How how do you approach that? How should you uh, care about your warm up or the specific movements you do to get ready for that right so if it's a long wad that means the intensity is going to be fairly low right it's it's got to be if it's going to be long so i really just do uh and if i'm warming up a class i do a very general warm-up uh for that uh every if it's a long wad it's probably going to use every major locomotive joint right so i make sure that our hips knees and ankles um shoulders elbows wrists everything's feeling good uh and Mentally, for me, if, I, if I'm going to do a long wad, I, I really try to have some things in place as far as my pacing. Because if it's a if it's a long if it's a long wad, it's generally it's a it's an aerobic and it's an aerobic bias. So I, I know I want to get that. So I definitely try to choose loads if we're doing any kind of resistance work that are going to be loads that I never have to stop. Hmm. Right. So I because I want to get that aerobic work in and if i'm constantly stopping obviously interval work you're gonna be able to get some aerobic adaptation but if it's a 20 40 even a 40 minute wad you know i want to make sure i'm choosing loads that i'm going to be able to continuously move and not have to constantly you know redline and stop and not be able to keep going because that defeats the whole purpose of the workout yeah um so that's that's how i approach a longer wad um shorter wads you know uh if it's if it's straight a strength wad um and we're doing, you know, five by three, uh, with three to five minute rest periods. Um, I'll make sure the joints we're using are super ready. Right. So if we're, if we're deadlifting or squatting, I spend a lot of time on, uh, mobility cause I'm getting older too. So other people might not have to warm up as long as I do, but if I'm going to do, uh, a high intensity, heavy load, high, high percentage of one RM, um, I'll spend a lot of time on my ankles, knees, and hips, uh, to really get them ready. So I'm, I'm feeling the positions, Cause there's some days where I just don't like I'll, I'll, I'll front load a kettlebell to get into a goblet squat just to try to feel my squat position. And, you know, it's just off. What is mm -hmm. wrong? Right. Is it my, my low back a little bit off? Is my knee just a little bit tweaked for some reason? Uh, and whatever I feel that I'll attack that joint a little bit to try to prep for it. Nice. I like that. So yeah, if, if I'll say this to people and, uh, <clears throat> I'll even, uh, I've heard this said also is like the more intense the workout, whether it's like a short, you know, workout, we're going to be doing a bunch of reps in a really short period of time. Or if it's like a, a heavy lifting session, like the, that's two different versions of like intensity, whether it's load right. or volume, mm -hmm. um, you, the, the higher the intensity, the longer your warm up needs to be. Yeah. And more specific it needs to be. So I agree. Yep. Cause you, you essentially have to get, those joints hot you got to get your heart rate up to what it's going to be or at least near what it's going to be um in that workout in mm -hmm. different so you got to get those joints sliding gliding you know yeah. ready to go right um, you can't just jump under you know 80 percent and above a one rep oh. max or something if you're not really warmed up no well <laughs> i've had bad experiences doing that 
(laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I said that's and without even you, I mean, you verbalized it in a much better way there, but yeah, the, the more intense, the, whether it's a sprint workout or, you know, it's, you're just adding a lot of speed to a movement or you're doing a really heavy load, or it's a really high power output. Like you're doing an Olympic weightlifting session. Um, those, I definitely spend a lot more time warming up than if I'm going to do a 30 minute grinder, you know, mm-hmm. because that's the workout is el- itself is kind of a very long warm up. You know what I mean? Cause you're just, you're not at a high intensity as far as load. So you just keep moving through those ranges of motion, but yeah, like that's, that. uh, that's the, that's the philosophy I adopt as well. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I love this. This is a good conversation about CrossFit, how, how far it's come. And uh, even even just how you should approach a workout and be able to do your best at that to get the most out of it. So right. and also just like not feel like an old person whenever you go here, right? <laughs> right? So regardless of your age, you can feel old when you're not properly warmed up for workout. But yeah, yeah. thanks for that. That was great. Thanks for watching today, guys, and be tuning in for future episodes because. I'll be talking with Christian again as we'll be diving into different topics on biomechanics or on energy systems, things that really help make your body work, getting in the positions to be most successful at whatever endeavor you're doing, whether it be a sport or a regular um, athletic performance, whatever you want to be doing with your body. So get excited for that and hope you have a good rest of your day.